You are now listening to the State of the Saints podcast. All I got to say is, who that? Hey, what's going on, who that nation? It is yours truly, TJ Jones. And thank you very much for checking out another edition of the State of the Saints podcast, where we talk New Orleans Saints. Thanks for listening to the podcast. I really do appreciate it. On this edition, we're going to be talking about Wild Card Weekend. I'm going to give my predictions for each and every wild card game. That's right. We're going to talk about other teams as well. But we got to talk about the New Orleans Saints because this is the State of the Saints podcast. (laughs) And I'm going to start it off by saying congratulations to six of the New Orleans Saints players that made the All-Pro team. I'm talking to Mario Davis, Ryan Ramchek, Deontay Harris, Michael Thomas, Cam Jordan, and JT Gray. JT Gray and Cam Jordan made the second team. Harris, Davis, Ramchek, and Thomas made the first team. And these guys are very important to the success of the New Orleans Saints. You have two rookies, JT Gray and Deontay Harris. Deontay Harris was the the only rookie that was a part of the first team, which was very surprising to me. I thought maybe Nick Bosa would have made it. But anyway, I mean, congratulations to him. Uh, He just came into the league, took it by storm. In a league that it just seems like they're trying to take away the kick returns from the game. I mean, you have all these different rules. You know, you you can't block a certain way. You can't run down the field a certain way. I mean, this guy comes in and he makes special teams where he makes it special. (laughs) I mean, even in the beginning in training camp, you had uh, Sean Payton talking about uh, Deontay Harris. Uh, He was bringing up names like Devin Hester. I mean, when you bring up Devin Hester, when you're talking about special teams, that is a huge compliment because we know how much he meant to the success of the Chicago Bears all those years running back those kicks. So Deontay Harris, I mean, he is out there really uh, flipping the field for the New Orleans Saints. I mean, when you give Drew Brees the ball on a 45 or on a 50-yard line, all he has to do is go half a field. I mean, that is huge for the success of the New Orleans Saints. And then you have JT Gray, a guy who just came in and the Saints were able to save some money by getting rid of Chris Banjo. Chris Banjo was an incredible special teams player, but because of success um, that JT uh, Gray was having in training camp and also on the field, they were able to, you know, get rid of Chris Banjo and have this young guy out there. And now he's an all pro. Of course, Cam Jordan, I mean, 15 and a half sacks, Man, the guy's been an anchor on the defense uh, as long as I can remember. And you have Demario Davis and Ryan Ramchick. I mean, two guys that got snubbed uh, from the Pro Bowl, which I I still don't understand. How can you snub these guys from the Pro Bowl? Ryan Ramchick, according to Pro Football Focus, is the number one right tackle in football. Then you have Demario Davis. All he does is make plays. I still think about that game against the Indianapolis Colts. I mean, this guy was out there guarding Jack Doyle. Jack Doyle is a really good tight end. Uh, he catches a lot of passes for the Indianapolis Colts, and his work rate has went up uh, since uh, the, the injury to Eric Ebron. And he goes out there, and, I mean, he completely locks this guy down. Um, he, he showed like a, a he showed a, a, a side of himself that I didn't even think that 
you know, anybody on the team thought that he had. I mean, even Sean Payton in that press conference was uh, shocked at <laughs> the way that he was guarding Jack Doyle. He's saying he was playing on a whole nother level. And not to mention um, how he performs in, in blitz pickups and, you know, getting to the quarterback. I mean, this guy just does it all. So you look at him and Ramchek, uh, I'm talking Davis. You look at Davis and Ramchek. I mean, these are two guys that, that deserve all the recognition. And honestly, uh, making an all-pro team to me, uh, it, it means much more than just a Pro Bowl because you look at uh, teams like the Dallas Cowboys. I think they, they had like 14 Pro Bowlers or something like that, and people act like that's just such a big deal. But it's just the fact that the Dallas Cowboys are on television each and every week. I mean, these, these are the guys that we know. There's a reason why a uh, majority of people know everybody on the, on the Dallas Cowboy roster is because they're always on television. So when you have that dynamic going for you, I mean, of course people are going to vote those guys in because they know them. But they don't see the work that Ryan Ramchek is putting in or Demario Davis all the time because the Saints, they, they get uh, a couple of primetime games, but not as many as the Dallas Cowboys. So I feel like this is deserving of these two guys. You know, I feel like this was more important because the Associated Press uh, they they elect these guys. The media does this. And, and you cannot just, you know, you, you don't have to worry about uh, the bias of some people just voting for individuals that are probably, um, you know, a part of the team that they like or, or just the fact that they are on television a lot. So congratulations to those two guys. And finally, Michael Thomas. I mean, this wasn't any surprise to me. He makes the first team all pro for the second straight year. I mean, he led the league in receptions. He led the league and yards you know so i just look at how this guy is performing at such a high level i mean this is just amazing stuff right here man 149 receptions i think he had nine touchdowns this season over 1700 receiving yards and and what makes it more incredible is the fact that everybody and their mama know that this guy's getting the ball when he gets off the bus and he goes into that dome or he goes into a stadium it's no surprise everybody's like guard guard number 13 but just like his Twitter handle says, you can't guard him. You cannot guard this guy, man. I mean, this guy gets double covered. In some cases, even triple covered. But he even fi he finds ways of getting open. I mean, he has great release. You know, I mean, it's just it's unbelievable, man. The way this guy can get separation, he's not re really that fast. I think he runs like maybe like a 4.6 or 4.7 or something like that. But the guy just knows how to get open. So congratulations to each and every one of those Saints players well-deserved. I guarantee you uh, that's the type of momentum that, that you need going into the postseason because the Saints are going to rely on these guys heavily to try to make plays in order for the Saints to try to get the win over the Minnesota Vikings. Um, also, I want to talk about uh, Tracy Porter. Tracy Porter has announced that he will retire um, from the National Football League. Uh, Tracy Porter hasn't played, I think, since 2016, but he has officially retired and the Saints are going to honor him at halftime uh, of this wild card game. Uh, Tracy Porter, I mean, he was a second-round pick. He came out of Indiana. I really didn't know that much about Tracy Porter. I mean, I know he was from Port Allen, Louisiana. Uh, you know, but when he came on the Saints team, uh, he, he really uh, made some plays. Uh, you know, I mean, he made two of the most iconic plays probably in Saints history. You know, uh, of course, the interception of Brad Favre, when the Minnesota Vikings were driving down the field to set up a field goal, uh, he jumped in front of Sidney Rice and caught the interception, uh, you know, got got tackled like seven seconds left to bring that game into overtime. 
And, of course, we know about the pick six that when he went 71 yards on Peyton Manning in the Super Bowl. So, uh, Tracy Porter, um, I, I think he was a, you know, I won't say he was a great Saints player. I, I say that he was good. He was decent. Uh, you know, one thing that I felt, you know, kind of uh, affected his uh, stay with the Saints was the fact he couldn't stay healthy. I mean, he was always hurt. It was a knee here. It was a shoulder there. Uh, probably because he was a, kind of a smaller guy. But, I mean, when it was time to make plays, I mean, he made plays. So, I mean, he's forever going to be uh, a Saints hero. Uh, his devil go to change. Uh, but, I, I mean, I enjoy watching him play. Uh, you know, like I said, he was one of those guys who, you know, he he was a good player. He wasn't great. But, I mean, he, he still got the job done. And we're forever indebted uh, to uh, to him, you know, for bringing a Super Bowl uh, to New Orleans. So, uh, he will be honored uh, as well as he should. Uh, people ask me, you know, in the email, do I think his jersey needs to be retired? Absolutely not. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I appreciate what he did, but, I mean, he wasn't that good, you know, for him to get his jersey retired. And honestly, uh, there's another number 22 that I feel like, you know, bit more to the Saints than maybe he did. You know, I mean, that's maybe an argument to some people, but I'm just calling for what it is. I mean, when you look at Mark Ingram's career with the Saints versus Tracy Porter's, I mean, I don't even think that it's – I mean, it's not even a comparison. I mean, only – I mean, Tracy Porter, like, made two important plays. But Mark Ingram, I mean, for what he did in the Saints uniform and what he's still doing right now, I mean, it just shows you, like, how incredible he is. So, uh, I look at, like, how Mark Ingram first started out, you know, with the New Orleans Saints. He was number 28, and Tracy Porter was still there. And he was number 22. And then when Tracy Porter left, you know, Mark Ingram put on number 22 and the rest is history. I mean, he had some down years. People were saying, you know, maybe he's a buzz. Maybe he's uh, following that trend of the Alabama running back. Uh, maybe, you know, they good in college, but, you know, they run them to the ground in Alabama and they don't have nothing left for the, for the pros. But he ended up uh, really, uh, you know, emerging around his fourth or his fifth season. So, um, I, I think that he has done a little bit more than Tracy Porter has done, so I don't think that Tracy Porter's number 22 needs to be retired. Maybe you put him in a ring of honor or something like that, you know, one day. That's fine. But as far as getting his jersey retired, absolutely not. If Ricky Jackson's jersey is not retired, if uh, Archie Manning's jersey is not retired, then I don't think Tracy Porter's need to. I mean – there, there's just this cardinal rule with the New Orleans Saints when it comes to Archie Manning. Uh, nobody will ever wear the number eight jersey. I mean, the equipment manager has been there for I don't know how long. Uh, he's been there about as long as Archie Manning was playing, and he said he would never, ever give a player the number eight jersey. So it's, his jersey is not retired, but it's just a rule that nobody will ever wear the number eight inside of the Saints organization. So once again, congratulations to Tracy Porter being honored at halftime. I know a lot of people in the Who That Nation are looking forward to that. You know, Who That Nation, I got a lot of respect for the Minnesota Vikings. I I really do. Um, They're one of those teams that I feel like are kind of similar to the New Orleans Saints. Uh, This this was one of those teams that, uh, you know, has a history, you know, of, you know, heartbreak. I mean, they really do. If you look down the timeline, uh, you look at the, the late 90s, the 98, Minnesota Vikings team when they went 15 and one uh, when they had all that talent man they had Chris Carter a young Randy Moss John Randall Randall McDaniels uh Robert Smith I mean these guys had a whole 
lot of talent on their team. They went 15 and one and lose an NFC Championship game to uh, the Atlanta Falcons. And then you fast forward uh, back in um, 2009, you know, versus the New Orleans Saints, Garrett Harley kicks the field goal and crushes their chance of making the Super Bowl once again. I mean, the Minnesota Vikings just had heartbreak after heartbreak. I can even backtrack just one more time. Uh, I think they were like 14, not 12 and 4, and they went to the playoffs, and they had one of the best offenses in the league back in 2000, and they end up losing to the New York Giants by a score of 41 to nothing. I mean, so this team knows something about heartbreak. I feel like they're kind of similar to the New Orleans Saints. But I say that to say this. Uh, the Minnesota Viking fans are annoying. <laughs> I'm just being honest. Like, not all of them. You know, some of them are, are, are very respectful. You know, they talk, they trash, but, you know, it's respectful. But some of them are, like, just so disrespectful. And every time they end up, you know, infiltrating a Saints group, they're always bringing up that play. Yeah, who that nation, you know the play I'm talking about. I'm talking about the miracle in Minneapolis. Steps into it, passes. Guess who that nation I'm talking about, the Minnesota Miracle. The Minnesota Miracle, the miracle that happened in Minneapolis with 10 seconds left. Case Keenum throws the ball to Stephon Diggs, and they score a touchdown to send them to the NFC Championship game. The Saints had a one-point lead, and all the Saints defense had to do was make one stop. And, of course, we know Marcus Williams whipped on the tackle, uh, knocked Ken Crawley out in the process, out of bounds and Stefan Diggs ran it in for a touchdown. This is what the Minnesota Vikings fans are continuously throwing up in the face of the New Orleans Saints fan base. Yes, Minnesota, you did beat the Saints in the divisional round, but you got beat to sleep the very next week <laughs> in the NFC championship game. The Philadelphia Eagles just completely destroyed them. I mean, it wasn't even a game. The game was basically over by the second quarter. But the Minnesota Vikings fans continuously talk about this, and it was a proud moment. I mean, take nothing from them. I mean, this is a play that is going to be played over and over and over again throughout the years. I mean, we're going to be, uh, you know, forced to watch this play over and over again through the years. I mean, this is like the 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 Clark, the catch, you know, Montana, the uh, Danny Clark. This is the immaculate reception, you know, Franco Harris. This is... This is that type of stuff right there. Uh, it, it just, it, it's just uh, one of those things, man. But the New Orleans Saints, they're focused, okay? I mean, that was two years ago. And the New Orleans Saints, they're trying to focus on trying to win this game in New Orleans, you know, versus the Minnesota Vikings. And quarterback Drew Brees was asked about this Minnesota miracle that happened and how would it affect them this year going into the wild card game this Sunday. The only thing I'd say about it is um, that, you know, we, we have a lot of guys on this team that, that we're here for those experiences, right? And so um, I think it says a lot about our group to be able to um, take some of those circumstances and, um, you know, some of those unfortunate things and be able to turn that into something positive and use that as fuel, um, use that as a way to just bring us closer together 
and um, you know, really fight through that adversity to bring out the best in all of us. I don't know if you've seen this video, but just looking at Drew Brees, he's dialed in. He's in playoff mode right now. You can see the intensity in his eyes. Uh, even him talking about this Minnesota miracle game that happened a couple years ago. I mean, they won't come out and say it, but these guys know what it is, man. There were a lot of guys on this team that played in that game. I mean, a, a lot of them. So they know about the heartbreak. They know about the pain. They know about the embarrassment and the frustration that they felt being 10 seconds away from going to the NFC Championship game. They know about last year, about the controversial nine call. They're dialed in. I mean, it, it's just what it is. They're dialed in. Um, I think in the back of their minds, they're thinking about what happened a couple years ago. I don't think that is affecting them this season. I do believe that. But, I mean, it made them a stronger team. It made them a better team. I mean, we've seen in the media, right? We've seen the media putting the Saints uh, not in the playoffs. We've seen them being 9-7, and 8-8. We've seen this because nobody believed that this team had the mental capacity to replicate what they did last season. They completely replicated what they did last season. They have the same identical record two years in a row, 13-3. and three. And that shows you right there how bad this team wants it. I mean, they really want this Super Bowl. They really want to be champions. And to be honest with you, it would be a shame um, if they don't get that. You know, I'm going to talk about that a little bit uh, later in the predictions. But, I mean, it, it'll be sad if they don't get it. Uh but this Minnesota miracle thing, you know, I think they, they want to put this thing to bed uh, as much as they possibly can. Um, it won't change the fact of what happened a couple years ago. But, I mean, they still can right the wrongs of yesteryear by going out there and doing what needs to be done, winning the football game at home in the wild card round of the playoffs. Uh, you know, I just ask that the New Orleans Saints fans just get loud, man. Just get loud. Just get crazy. Uh, make Make it a... Man, make it a, a, a torture chamber for the Minnesota Vikings team, man. I mean, let them understand that we are the true 12th man in the National Football League. That's all I ask from the Houdat Nation. But we're going to go ahead and talk a little bit about the wild card weekend. We're going to talk about some of these games. And since we're talking about these games, somebody hit that ESPN music for me real quick. Yes, sir. The first matchup. The Houston Texans taking on the Buffalo Bills. Now, this game right here, this is an intriguing game. This is a game that features two young quarterbacks and two pretty good defenses. One defense is really good. You have the Buffalo Bills, who, uh, led by Coach Sean McDermott, has turned into one of the best defenses in the National Football League. And you have the Houston Texans, led by Bill O'Brien, who find themselves in the playoffs and division champions once again. This is the home game for the Houston Texans. I mean, last season, uh, they went up against the Indianapolis Colts and they played them at home and they lost. Uh, the Houston Texans have something to prove. I mean, Bill O'Brien, he, he gets division championships. That's cool. But every now and then, you got to win a playoff game, okay? You got to win a playoff game. And I feel like the Houston Texans have a good enough team to do it. Uh, last season, uh, in the playoffs, Deshaun Watson played horrible. You had uh, DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, he was injured in the game. And the Houston Texans left a lot on the field. The Buffalo Bills, um, they are really good. But can you really trust Josh Allen in the playoffs? Can you really trust him to perform? I mean, he's had some good games. 
Um, he, he knows how to improvise. I mean, he makes plays with his legs. Uh, he, he does some incredible things. He has great upside. He has a rocket arm. But I, I can't trust him right now to actually win a football game for me. I think that defense is going to keep them in the game. It's going to keep this game close. But I got to go with the Houston Texans. I, I'm going with the Houston Texans for the simple fact is you got to win a playoff game, man. I mean, Bill O'Brien, I mean, honestly, you're a good coach because you're winning your division. But you got to win the postseason. You got to win in a postseason. If you don't, then you're wasting the time of, of your fan base. And, and honestly, they are excited about winning the division, but they want something bigger. They want to win a playoff game. They want to be deep in the playoffs. They have the talent to do so. Uh, they got Kenny Stills. They got DeAndre Hopkins. You got Carlos Hyde running the football. I mean, you got Will Fuller. I mean, you got some talent on this team. So I think that they can't get the job done. I think Jadavius White and the defense of the Buffalo Bills are going to cause some problems for Deshaun Watson, but I still feel like they can run the football on the Buffalo Bills, and I think that they can do just enough to win. This is going to be a low-scoring game, in my opinion. I think the score of this game is going to be 17-13. to The Houston Texans move on in the divisional round. The next game, the New England Patriots taking on the Tennessee Titans. Now, this game right here... I'm going to be honest with you. At the beginning of the week, I I thought, just like everybody else, I thought that it was the end of an era. I thought it was going to be an end of an era for the New England Patriots and Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Everybody's been talking about how Tom Brady doesn't have any weapons. Uh, they make a, a, a trade in the middle of the season to bring Muhammad Sanu out there. You had a young wide receiver in the kill, Harry. He was hurt at the beginning of the season. He started to come on. And, of course, you have former Super Bowl MVP, Julian Edelman, but he's been dealing with injuries. Everybody's been saying this. Everybody's been talking about the New England Patriots. Tom Brady don't have no weapons. Tom Brady needs Gronk back. And I, I honestly, I, I'm going to be honest with you, I, I almost took the bait. But I look at this game and I just realize, I mean, there's too many uh, weird things that can go the Patriot way in order for them to win this football game. Number one, uh, they're playing at home. I mean, they lost last week to the Miami Dolphins, but I just feel like that was an anomaly. I mean, the New England Patriots do not lose at home often, and they definitely don't lose two straight games very often. I mean, and, and also, Ryan Tannehill, as good as he's been playing, I think it was a great move uh, for the Tennessee Titans to move on from Marcus Mariota to put in uh, Ryan Tannehill, but there's one small problem. Ryan Tannehill used to play for the Miami Dolphins, so you know that the New England Patriots are going to have his number. I think he's like 2-9 and nine or something like that against them, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, just record just straight up awful, uh, him playing in, in uh, Gillette. So when you look at that, and you also look at uh, the coaching staff, Mike Grable, former New England Patriot, I just think that some of the things that he probably learned uh, as far as his coaching style came from Bill Belichick. And it is always that, that saying is, can a student ever be better than the master? Me personally, I don't believe that, okay? Because I feel like the master always knows something that the, that the student uh, needs to learn. So the way I look at it, I think the New England Patriots are going to win this football game. I think the New England Patriots do a good job at uh, taking away what you do best. And we all know that they want to run the ball with Derrick Henry. I'm talking about the Tennessee Titans. So I think they're going to try to shut down Henry and they're going to try to make Ryan Tannehill beat them. And I don't think Ryan Tannehill has reached a point in his career as of yet to actually go out there and put a team on his shoulders. I have not seen it yet. 
and I don't think we're going to see it in this game. I got the New England Patriots winning this game by 10 points. I got them winning uh, 30 uh, to 20. I got them winning 30 to 20 in this game. I mean, I just think that the New England Patriots are going to bounce back, especially since they've been hearing all week long that the dynasty is over. Then we move on. We got the Seattle Seahawks taking on the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, this game is going to be on Sunday. This game right here, you have two franchises that are teetering. And by teetering, I mean you have a lot of injuries going on in these organizations. The Philadelphia Eagles, led by quarterback Carson Wentz, went on a four-game winning streak in order for them to win the division in NFC East. In my opinion, the worst division in football. And, you know, they go and they get a home game. And they're taking on a Seattle Seahawks team that was inches away from winning their division last week against the San Francisco 49ers. The question is, who is going to win this game? In my opinion, I think the Seattle Seahawks are going to win this football game. All I got to say is, in Russ, I trust. Um, Russell Wilson is a really good quarterback. I mean, you can say what you want to say about their the clock management. Uh, they should have won that game, of course. But Russell Wilson was the reason why they were in this game. His ability to improvise. His, his ability to get the ball downfield to his playmakers. His ability to, you know, run when he has to. I mean, I just think that the Philadelphia Eagles, this was a very good season uh, for them, you know, winning the division, you know, coming back from behind in order to catch up with the Cowboys and then beating them head up in order for them to get an opportunity in Week 17 to win the division. Great stuff. But I just think that the, the honeymoon is over. I just think that uh, Cinderella, uh, you know, the ball is over. The clock is, is struck midnight. It's time to go home. The Philadelphia Eagles, lucky for them, they don't have too far to go. I got the Seattle Seahawks winning this game. I think the Seattle Seahawks is just a better football team than the Philadelphia Eagles. I think that the injuries from, for the Philadelphia Eagles finally catch up with them. I just feel like the, the, the Seattle Seahawks, they are injured, but they still have a good running game. I think that uh, another week in the system, uh, Marshawn Lynch is really going to show um, that he is back. And I just feel like Russell Wilson is just a better quarterback at this stage in his career than Carson Wentz. Going to be a, a very interesting game. Uh, last time they played, I think the score was 17-9. The Seattle Seahawks won this game. So I think that probably going to have a little bit more points in this game, maybe like 27-24. to 24. It's going to be close because I think that you got to give Philadelphia some kind of credit for being at home. So I don't think they're just going to get blown out at home. But I do feel like the Seattle Seahawks is just a better football team. They have a better quarterback, and they just got a better overall team as of right now. I think the injuries are going to catch up with the Philadelphia Eagles. 27-24, to 24, I have the Seattle Seahawks winning this football game. And finally, the game that everybody wants to hear about, the New Orleans Saints taking on the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, everybody's ready for this game, especially in the Who That Nation I've been Hearing people talk about they want that revenge, they want that revenge. We coming for the Minnesota Vikings. We coming, we coming, we coming. I got the Saints winning this game. I don't have it as a as a blowout like some of these uh, Saints fans have out here. Uh, I do think that the New Orleans Saints are going to win this football game. I think they're going to win by four points. Uh, I got to give Minnesota a lot of respect. I think you have to look at the fact that Sean Payton and Mike Zimmer, they are really good friends. They're almost like best friends. And they played a lot of football together, okay? Um, the defensive coordinator of the Dallas Cowboys back in the day was Mike Zimmer. And the offensive coordinator of the Dallas Cowboys was Sean Payton. These guys went at it in training camp. These guys know each other's tendencies. They know what each other is about to do. They probably can finish each other's sentences. 
I mean, they talk a lot. You know what I'm saying? They hang out a lot. So this is going to be an interesting game. You got to give the Minnesota Vikings some kind of credit. They have Dalvin Cook back. Dalvin Cook, uh, he can do a lot of things. He can catch the ball out of backfield. He can run between the tackles. My only concern is how healthy is he really? I mean, he's an incredible talent, but he's always hurt. So I'm just wondering how healthy is he and is that going to play a role in this game? And then you have Adam Thielen, a guy who was incredible last season. He's been dealing with hamstring injuries. My question is how healthy is he? I just think that the Saints are going to be motivated for this game. I think that they're kind of upset at the fact that they got to be the three seed, even though they're 13-3. And you, you, you get the Minnesota Vikings at home something that the New Orleans Saints rarely ever do. Um, it just seems like for the last couple of years, the Minnesota Vikings played the Saints. It's been in Minnesota. So the Saints finally get the Minnesota Vikings on their home turf. And I think that the New Orleans Saints are going to uh, really take advantage of the home field advantage that they have down in New Orleans. Uh, I think that the Saints are going to uh, be uh, on attack uh, quite a bit. I think that they're going to be efficient in this game. I think there are going to be few mistakes between both teams. I think Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins is going to bounce back from that horrible game he had against the Green Bay Packers. And I just think that the New Orleans Saints are going to win this game because they're inspired. I got the Saints winning this game. Uh, by a score of 27 to 23, I think the New Orleans Saints are going to beat the Minnesota Vikings and move on to the divisional round to play the Green Bay Packers. So, the games that I have set up for the divisional round, I have the San Francisco 49ers taking on the Seattle Seahawks once again for the third time. I got New Orleans Saints taking on the Green Bay Packers. I have the New England Patriots taking on the... Yeah, the Kansas City Chiefs, and I have the Houston Texans taking on the Baltimore Ravens. And those are my predictions. That is what I think about those games. I would love to hear from you. What do you think about these predictions? Do you think that I'm right? Do you think that I'm wrong? I know I'm right. <laughs> but you can always dispute them or comment on them. I, I feel free to do so. I really do appreciate it. Well, this has been the State of the Saints podcast. Please subscribe to the State of the Saints podcast on YouTube, youtube.com, search State of the Saints podcast, and also facebook.com, search State of the Saints podcast, and you can listen to the previous episodes of this audio podcast on Spotify, anchorfm.com, iTunes, and CastBox. Till next time, all I got to say is, who that? <laughs>